Well, I want to welcome you to the Hills Church, and this is our Christmas Sunday service over the entire weekend. In fact, I'd encourage you to go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can download uh, the message notes. You know, you can also download our Christmas Eve family Bible reading. And if you have kids, you can download the kids activity sheet as well. You may be listening to this before Christmas Sunday, on Christmas Sunday, or even catching up after Christmas. But Christmas, I always think of a few favorite things that I love. I love eggnog. I know a lot of people don't. I love fruitcake. Now, not a lot of fruitcake, but at least a couple little pieces of fruitcake in this season. I love getting tamales for some reason this time of year. It just reminds me of of something about Christmas. And I love this story, and I know he's not in the Bible, but it's the little drummer boy, and I always listen to that song, and I know he's not in the Bible, and one of the reasons that probably he's not is no mother with a sleeping child is going to let a little boy with a drum come and beat that drum. But this Christmas season, we've been looking at, in fact, the kind of a theme that we've done is to follow Jesus, but we did so looking at Joseph, how he followed Jesus. We did so looking at Mary, how she had to follow the promises of Jesus. Today, we look at to follow Jesus, the wise men, the wise men. But before we look into the wise men, which I think are some of the other favorite characters of the Christmas Bible story, I want to read two verses about following Jesus that Jesus himself said. And we look at these uh, in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verses 24 and 25, and it says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I like how the New Century Version says it. It says, then Jesus said to his followers, if people want to follow me, they must give up the things they want. They must be willing even to give up their lives to follow me. Those who want to save their lives will give up true life. And those who give up their lives in me will have true life. You know, when we read these verses, it may not sound like such an encouraging word from Jesus, but it lets us know that those who are disciples, those who are followers, those who have made him Lord, have submitted their lives, their entire life to him, to follow him, with the promise of knowing that if I lose my life to follow him and what he says, I'm going to find my life. If I lose my life and I follow him, I'm going to have true, true life. 
Well, when we looked at Joseph, uh, Joseph had no idea how his life would turn out. In fact, what we had read about, you can listen to our past uh, recordings, we looked at how Joseph, it was difficult in taking care and following this Jesus. The same thing we could say for Mary, having being a young girl pregnant and the law in Deuteronomy, if she had been found out, was she could have been stoned to death. She was following this Jesus. Well, today we are going to read a story in the Bible that is very familiar to a lot of us, and it's the wise men that come to Jesus. And so let me first read this out of Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. We're going to look today at following Jesus and look at the wise men. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born, In Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was born. And so they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. When you have found him, Bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and it stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, They saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Well, Lord, we pray as we read the scriptures that we all would follow Jesus. We're going to look today at the wise men or the the word magi that followed him, that had been taught about this king of the Jews, that had to search him out, they had to worship him. Father, may we this Christmas season be found 
worshiping you and following you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It's interesting when we read about the wise men, that actually the, the Greek word in the New Testament for wise men is the word magi. What we know about the magi is they were an Eastern religious order of astronomers and they were trained in Babylon and Persia. Now, we're going to get into them a little bit because it's very interesting what they were looking for in the star. In fact, we read um, even possibly some prophetic words about them in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 6. It says, The multitude of camels shall cover your land, the dromedaries of Midland and Ephah. All those from Sheba shall come, they shall bring gold and incense, and they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. Interesting verse, right? The camels. We typically, when we look at a nativity scene, we always love to see some type of camels because of how people in that Middle Eastern area would travel, especially if they were going long distances. But Matthew, we read, said this, is when they came to Herod, they said these exact words in Matthew 2, 2. Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star. They use that word, his star, in the east and come to worship him. Right there, they're saying they knew that that star was indicative of the king of the Jews being born. And they made haste, however long it took. We'll give a description here in a minute. And they knew that they were going to come and they were going to find this king of the Jews and they were going to worship him. It's interesting when we read his star because it would appear that the moment that his star appeared, the wise men packed up and they begin to travel. They most likely traveled from Persia, most likely a thousand mile distance. These were also known that as people would travel, uh, they would travel in larger groups, one for protection and two because of the of what they were carrying along. And what's interesting in this whole, they were assured that if they followed the star, they would find the one that was born king of the Jews. Now, remember, they see the star, his star. They get so excited that they travel. And when they travel and they find Herod, what we read about Herod in the book of Matthew is Herod is troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Herod is concerned that he now is going to lose control because the king of the Jews was born. But I love when we think about his star. You know, God is into bright lights. During this Christmas season, we all like bright lights. Many of us may have lights outside our house, inside our house. It's something that we do about Christmas. But, you know, God is the one that said, let there be light. God is the one that set up two lights, right? One by day, one by night. We also know that David must have looked into the sky at night and would would write and sing, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord and the firmament 
shows his handiwork. The stars, the Milky Way, the planets, the solar systems. In fact, one of the prophetic words about his star, we read back in the book of Numbers. And it says this in Numbers chapter 24, 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy the sons of Tomet. A star shall come out of Jacob. You know, many of us, in fact, uh, we live in Southern California when you're in, whether you're in the mountains of California or you're in a different state or nation, many of you have the advantage that we don't have. You can go out at night and see all of the different stars Uh, Many of you can, whether by app or just by knowing, can pull out different planets or the North Star. Here in Southern California, a lot of times we see just a few stars and then what we notice is a helicopter. We're noticing airplanes that are are, uh, en route to uh, LAX or other airports. But how did they know? How did they know about a star? How did they know it was his star? Who told them about this? It doesn't mention that it was a dream, but it, but it was something profound that they had known. Well, one of the ideas that we get in Scripture in the Old Testament is from the book of Daniel. We know that if you read the book of Daniel, that Daniel was given such uh, administrative authority at that time in fact, we read this about Daniel, the characteristics about Daniel. Daniel 5, 11 and 12. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief over the magicians astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Astrologers. Think about that. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belshazzar Now let Daniel be called. He will give you the interpretation. So we read a few things in the scripture. They refer to him. He has wisdom of the gods. Well, we know the Holy Spirit of God is is with him and in him. They also mention that he was chief over all magicians, astrologers, uh, astronomers, Chaldeans, soothsayers. He also had an excellent spirit of knowledge and understanding, interpreting dreams. So could it be that these very truths prophetically about this king of the Jews and about his star that Daniel would have known about from the book of Numbers, that he passed down to these astronomers, these wise men, these magis, so that year upon year upon year, they were always watchful every night and they were always hopeful. You know, many of the prophetic um, Bible verses that we read about Jesus in the Old Testament, 
Many of them come from the book of Isaiah, which was written 740 years before the birth of Jesus. Well, we know that the book of Daniel was written about 530 years before the birth of Jesus. So the great possibility is Daniel had insight, prophetic insight, to the birth of the king of the Jews, his star, and he passed this down. Yet these magi, night upon night, were watching and they were hopeful. It's clear from the Gospels that the wise men knew what they were looking for. They were looking for he who had been born king of the Jews. In fact, what's interesting, they're wanting to go worship and bring gifts. Herod, in verse 7, says this to him after gathering the leaders to find out was there something prophetic and when Herod secretly called the wise men. So nobody knows this except the wise men and Herod. He determined from them what time the star appeared and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. What's interesting is Herod secretly calls them and must determine a time because later in just the book of Matthew, we find out he gives an order for all of the male boys in that whole area to be killed two years and under. Now, I know this messes up your nativity in your house or the ones that you've seen, but the wise men were not at the birth of Jesus, the Bible's very clear in Matthew chapter 2 that they came to a house. And the moment they saw the star, which the star must have appeared at the birth of Jesus, that's when they started this long journey. And it took some time between just under two years. That's why Herod wanted to determine when they had seen the star. You know, it's interesting when we read this about Herod and about Jerusalem not being excited like the wise men, like the shepherds, like the angels. Jesus is always troubling to people who don't want to worship him. Jesus is always troubling to people because they don't want their plans and ideas to be interfered with. Jesus is always troubling to people that don't want to submit to him and they don't want to follow him. And so in that way, Jesus is always troubling. But Jesus is to be worshipped. The very first act of the wise men, when they come in and they see the child and Mary his mother, it's not gift-giving time first. It's worshipping time first. Jesus is to be worshipped not just by the shepherds, not just by the angels, not just by the wise men, not just by the Jewish people. Jesus is to be worshipped by all nations. And it's shown through this very visitation of these wise men from the East. You know, there's a very powerful, I looked at it as a very powerful translation in the scripture of Matthew chapter 9 verse 11 from the message translation. And listen to this in the wording of when 
the wise men saw the child and Mary his mother, and it says this, overcome. They kneeled and they worshiped him. Oh, when I read that, I thought that was so powerful and moving. That here they travel such a long distance. They're trying to ask the leaders of the day where he is. They follow a moving star that stops over this house. And when they come in and they actually see the child, they see the mother, they're overcome. And they kneel and they worship him. After this long, difficult, challenging journey, all they want to do is worship him. If you've ever taken a long road trip before, and I remember when we had moved from North Carolina back to Southern California, after a long day of being on the road and finally getting into a hotel, the last thing you want to do is to do anything. All you want to do is sleep. After this long journey, all they want to do is, like we read, they're overcome. They kneel and they worship him. But there's three gifts that they give to Jesus. It's gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's always interesting when you think about the gifts that kids want. You know, there's certain toys that are always the, the, the rage of the day that people get out. And yet they give three significant gifts that are for the moment that are also prophetic over his life, whether they knew what to do or whether they knew what to give. But I want to use it just this way briefly. Gold. Would you give him your life? You know, gold has always been one of the most valuable commodities on earth. Kings received gold as a tribute and as gifts. When you make Jesus the Lord of your life, it means that he is your king. In a dream, probably within the next night or so, Joseph is told to flee to Egypt because Herod wants to take the life of Jesus. And what we see now is gold would be a commodity that Joseph could move his family, get settled somewhere in Egypt and have the money to begin to do that. Incense. Give him your worship. In verse 10, it says those, these wise men, the Magi, were overjoyed, overcome. Their joy was expressed as they bowed down on their knees to worship this child. This incense speaks of the joy of worship. Myrrh. Interesting, myrrh uh, is a scented anesthetic. It's actually an embalming oil used on dead bodies to retard decay. This gift would reveal that the wise men understood something about the death of this child, which we would say the death of the Messiah that would be significant. They knew something about this child would be significant. You wouldn't give a child embalming oil, which myrrh reminds me of his life for my life. You know, Mark chapter 15, verse 23, Jesus was offered myrrh to drink on the cross. It says, then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh, 
this anesthetic to drink, but he did not take it. He did not take it. The myrrh represents the need for us to offer our lives to him because he was willing to sacrifice and to die for us. When you die to self, you lose your life in following him and you demonstrate that Jesus is the king of your life. Interesting gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Give him your life. Give him your worship. And remember that it was his life sacrificed to give you life. My prayer this Christmas season is however you gather with family or friends or neighbors, that you remember that it's not about a gift that's been placed under a tree, a card that was written. It's to remember that before the foundation of the world, according to Genesis, that the Lamb of God would be sacrificed. It's to remember in Genesis chapter 3 at the fall of Adam and Eve that the gospel was already presented that his her seed, being Jesus, would crush the head of the serpent, Satan. That all throughout the Old Testament, it was prophesied 700 years before it would happen, 500 years before it would happen, but he would be born in a manger. Angels would announce his coming. Shepherds that were watchful would make haste to find him. Wise men would awaken and were watchful and followed him, all because they knew. He was king of kings. He was the king of the Jews. They had to worship him. My prayer is that you take time and you remember to worship Jesus. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, if this has been a year of you running away from him, I pray like those verses that we read at the beginning to follow Jesus, that if you come after him, deny yourself Take up the cross and follow him. Deny yourself and follow him. Lay down what you think is true life and allow him to be Lord of your life and now to give you true life. If you've never prayed that prayer or this is that opportunity to do so, would you pray this along with me? Would you, as Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, would you confess Jesus out of your mouth as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Pray this with me, Lord Jesus. Forgive me for my sins. I open the door of my heart and I choose to make you Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, I pray for all of us as we gather, family, friends, that we remember you. The exchange of a gift is to remember the gift exchange from the wise men. The reason we say Merry Christmas is to know that we have a Savior that is Christ the Lord. We bless you. We thank you for your protection. 
We thank you for our family, that our family times, our times with our neighbors and friends, that you are honored and glorified. Jesus, you are Lord of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we receive our tithes and offerings today, I want to read these two verses out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 and 8. It says this, Apostle Paul says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Notice how God says our giving should be not grudgingly, not out of necessity, not out of pressure. No, God loves that cheerful, glad heart of a giver and he promises to make an abundance for every good work. Pray this prayer along with me today. Father, as I give in today's offering, I have purposed in my heart to be a cheerful giver, knowing that God will bless me exceedingly abundantly through my life and through my family. You always provide, so I have an abundance to move your kingdom forward and to bless your heart. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're giving today, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can give online, or you can also give by writing to us at the Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. And encourage you to come on out. January 1st will be uh, at church. Encourage you to come out as we kick off 2023. The Lord bless you. Merry Christmas. And remember, Jesus is our King. Jesus is our Lord.